Hey, Scott. Yes, sir. Is this a metric shit ton of bricks right here? I don't know. Did you shit those bricks? I did. Coming to you almost live from an old-timey brick factory, this is The Edmund Studio. I am Scott. I am Adam. We are your hosts. We're like masons. We're the, the masons of podcasting. Except not as sinister, I yeah. want to say. And we're not, not Freemasons. No, we are not free no. in our masonry. No, we are bound by masonry law. That's <laughs> probably a thing. I imagine that's a thing. I think the Freemasons have some rules, too. I imagine they, they do. Some Masonic laws. So why are we coming to you almost live from a brick factory? Uh, because there is an old-timey brick factory down in... Uh, Riverdale. The Riverdale area. Yeah. That has just been turned into a swanky, hip-happening place by our old friend Nate Box. He's going to join us in the studio later. And that's it's right. going to be wonderful. Now, you might not know this when you hear this episode. It's true. But we are recording it way earlier yeah. than you are seeing it. We are, uh, we are way in the past. Then you are seeing it with your ears. <laughs> you see with your ears. Uh, normally we record every two weeks mm -hmm. and then the, the podcast comes out. Uh, that is not the case this time. Uh, a slightly belated episode literally dropped the day that we are recording this one because yes. we are putting one in the bank so that Adam can leave town. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be out of town for uh, the weekend we'd normally record, and I'm actually um, on the board for an organization called Knight's Cabin, which does uh, cancer survival wellness retreats. Um, and I'm going to be at my first retreat helping to run things, facilitate things, get her done. So, so we needed to do this now. So if our... Uh Chad is not as timely. <laughs> Almost as certainly it, won't be. As it uh, normally is. That is because uh, we are uh, a week in the past from when we would normally be recording this. It's true. It's true. So I don't know what insight we can offer you, really, um, except to say that it's going to be a great show when Nate joins us in the That's studio. That's true. He is uh, a fantastic and fascinating man, and I'm sure he'll have many fantastic and fascinating things to say. It's almost certain. Um, so what's been going on in the world these days, Scott? Well, uh, stuff. Yeah. I, there's, <laughs> been, there's been actually a lot of kind of election stuff. Yeah, we're, we're, it seems like we're building up to some kind of provincial election. That seems to be the case. Uh, the spring sitting of the legislature just began this week. Yeah. Um, there it, was it'll wrap up by the time you hear this. Probably. Uh, it uh, started with a bit of a bang. Yeah, they, they talked about Bill 10. Yeah. And uh, and so for those of you who don't remember, the way that this works is um, MLA Lori Blakeman, who's with the, the Liberal Party, um, wrote a, a private member's bill, a Bill 202. Mm -hmm. And that was really all about um, legislating uh, the allowance for gay-straight alliances in any school in Alberta. Basically saying that in any school where students want to make a gay-straight alliance, mm -hmm. the school board had to allow it. Yeah, which I think is was a terrific idea. Certainly. What wound up happening is that the conservative party that, that forms the majority of the government um, basically killed Bill 202 and created Bill 10, their own version of it, which said that um, schools 
had to allow students to create GSAs, but they didn't have to be on school property. There, there were a whole bunch of issues with this piece of yeah, legislation. There, there, there was a lot of buts. Yes, many buts. There were many buts. Yeah, and so um, you may recall, uh, I believe it was before Christmas... Was it before Christmas? I'm pretty sure it was before yeah. Christmas. The, uh, the Premier Prentice said, you know what? We're going to take this away. We're going we're gonna to talk to Albertans, and we're going to come back. There was, there was enough negative press about it. A ton that of it. The, the government said, let's just table the issue for the time being. Yeah. And so uh, over the last few months, uh, Education Minister Gordon Dirks has been going around and talking to Albertans about GSAs, their thoughts on them. And what they wound up passing the other day was effectively the bill that, that Ms. Blakeman had intended in the beginning. More or less, yeah. yes. So now the legislation says that any school that wants, or any student that wants a GSA at their school, the school must allow for the creation of one. Yeah. Now, here's a little hiccup with these rules that I was seeing uh, Dr. Chris Wells talk about on Twitter the other night, and that is that in the Catholic system, in any school where students want to create a student group that discusses discusses sexuality or gender identity, uh, which may happen in a GSA, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? The school must inform parents, which is a, effectively a way of outing gay and queer students. Yep, and that is not kind cool. of not cool. The, um, the, the sad truth is that there is enough, uh, I want to say, leeway in, in even the, uh, the original bill, as I understand it, that, that Ms. Blakeman was putting forward, that there are ways that uh, a school that doesn't really want to start a GSA can try to weasel their way out of it. Not easily, yeah, but they can try to, uh, I don't want to say the word intimidate, because that just sounds way, way too negative. But that's effectively kind what it of. is. They can try to persuade. I think the word I want to use is persuade, because it's not as negatively charged. Uh, students who are interested in starting a GSA, not to. By offering them different but similar programs or uh, stuff like that. All it does, all that kind of those kinds of rules do is push students underground. To do Sadly, yes. And I, there's a lot of value, I think, in 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 having well, allied and, teachers support GSA. Yeah, and and not every student who joins a gay straight alliance need to be gay. Not at the all. The word straight is in there for a reason. Yeah, it's an opportunity for uh, students who are gay and students who are straight to support each other. Yeah, and in fact. It's not like a club where students get together and discuss queer issues necessarily. It's just a safe space exactly, for those students who feel like they may not have other safe spaces. There's actually a really great post on idigyourgirlfriend.com, which our friends TJ and, and Janelle run, yep. um, that's all about GSA myths debunked. And, you know, one of the two of the first points she makes are GSAs are not a dating club and they're not a sex club. They're not yep. about teaching people to be gay. No, not it's, at all. It's just a it's just a support group yeah. in a way. So why the fuck aren't why why aren't people cool with that? Because unfortunately, people who are part of the LGBTQ community remain a marginalized part of our community. Yeah, I mean it's gotten better in Alberta, but goddamn, do we have a long way to uh, go? It's gotten better everywhere, but goddamn, have we got a long way yeah, to go? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's one of those things that's crawling along and, and really uh, doesn't need to. 
No, it should be happening more quickly than it is. You know what? I'll say this. I think when certain key members of uh, Generation X and older die, this won't be an issue anymore. It'll, it'll be sorry. It'll be less of an issue. It might be. That's my. I, that's I think my hope. More people are becoming more accepting. Yeah, and I think it's because more people, even people who might initially be resistant to the idea or might be. Uh, say, religiously opposed to the idea, have just woken up to the fact that what two dudes or two girls do in the privacy of their own home has no bearing on them whatsoever. Absolutely not. And therefore, it, it doesn't, they don't need to care. As they, they don't s- need to think about it, and they don't need to care about as it. As they say on the internet, GTFO. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, on, this, on this particular day of this recording, there's another interesting thing that happened. We broke a record for the temperature. Yes, we did. Josh Clausen. We we often talk about the weather. We you know and because <laughs> you know it's the most it's the thing that everybody jokes. If you have nothing to talk about, you're talking about the weather. Well, and it's Edmonton, right? But Edmonton in Edmonton, the weather is a story. It is. It is something to talk about. It especially is. this year because the weather has been insane. Well, and didn't they say that? Uh, in in I, okay. I, first of all, let me just say I know the farmers farmers almanacs just mostly a lot of bullshit, or at least. I think it is. But wasn't this supposed to be one of the coldest, most difficult winters? They were saying, and I believe that this is the quote, a T-Rex winter, quote unquote. One that had teeth. One that was going to just come in with the cold and shred you to pieces. But what they failed to elaborate on is that they were talking about the T-Rex's little arms. Uh, Or they were just talking about I don't know, the eastern seaboard. Because oh, they actually did get hammered. Oh, and my it gosh. it was cold over there. Yeah. And they got like, I can't remember how much snow it was Ridiculous, in ridiculous like amounts of snow. feet of snow. Yeah. Uh, and here, it's been mild Very. all winter. Yeah. We've and had a few cold weeks. But we're in the double-digit temperatures right now. In fact, uh, when Josh Clausen, a meteorologist in front of the show, um, tweeted earlier today, he said, we beat... Uh, a weather record today for temperature. We were at 14.5 degrees Celsius at the time, which beat a 1910 record by 0.1 degrees. It's the way we do it here in Alberta. We do it by degrees. We, <laughs> it's true. By points of degrees. We really, we that really. That is how change happens in Alberta. By points of degrees. It's it's crazy. And and so in fact, it's it's sort of perfect because this weekend. Well, it's perfect in one way. This weekend that we're recording the show is the farewell to winter patio party that's taking place at a number of restaurants and bars across the city. It'll be a great weekend to go see Crashed Ice, yeah. which will be long done by the time you hear this episode. So it, we hope you had an amazing time, <laughs> time at Crashed Ice. And we hope that the ice, you know, held. Uh, I was informed mm-hmm. that uh, they have ice specialists who uh, actively work on keeping that ice frozen. And apparently the track is actually... It's refrigerated yeah. to, to like minus 10. Yeah. So I, it'll get slushy. A little bit. And I think that they've got folks on skates with shovels to clear that track, which you could not pay me enough money to do that. It looks uh, terrifying. The track looks interesting. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm intrigued by having crashed ice in town. Will you have gone and checked it out, Scott? Uh, I may make an effort to check it out at some point this weekend. Cool. That's awesome. So uh, you may have seen me with a beer. In the near vicinity of, of the crashed thing. ice at yeah. some point, but uh, we'll uh, we'll have to to see how that unfolds. Yeah, it's going to be. Uh, it will have been 
an interesting thing. event. Yeah. And now, now speaking of uh, related sports, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that the Edmonton Oilers were mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. This now, let's week. be fair. We all knew long ago they were already eliminated. <laughs> you didn't need any math for it at all. Uh, but there comes a point where even if they won every single game from then on, you, they just can't do it anymore. Which they won't. Now, admittedly, I, I haven't been paying close attention. Uh, I don't know if you have, just by virtue of the fact that you read the news. How are how are how are we in last place? Are we that bad? I think, I think we're still, as of the time that we are recording this, in second to last place. Oh, and who is in last place? Please uh, tell me it's the Maple Leafs. Uh, it was, to, to the best of my recollection, it was the Buffalo Sabres. Oh, yes, I remember hearing about that. Um, who who were marginally worse than us. Uh, now, that may have changed mm-hmm. since <laughs> the time of this recording. Yeah, it's really, uh, It may yeah. have changed recently as of the point of this recording as well, because... I'm only kind of up to date on my hockey news when I'm at work. Yeah. Uh, and I have not been at work for a few days. Uh, so don't take this as gospel fact. Sure. Double check for yourself. But I believe the Edmonton Oilers are in second to last place. Well, it's better than... I'm not sure what it's better than. No. After all it's this not. time, it's not better than anything. It's not. We are almost at 10 years since we have made the playoffs. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's fucked up. That is a uh, disappointing statistic. Uh, I I honestly don't know if there are other teams that have had as long a playoff drought as the Edmonton Oilers. Well, we just cannot seem to get our shit together. Ducks poop, in a row. Poop in a group. Our bricks in a shit ton. That was terrible. Delete that. You're not going to delete it, are you? No. No, okay. Now, there is good news for the Oilers, uh, and that is that the construction of the new downtown arena seems to be going really well. Yes, quite a And I would actually assume that the mild weather has helped. I would think so. They've got um, the pedestrian bridge built over 104th Ave now. Um, they've they've actually even moved, because they've, they've had these great live webcams uh, of the site. Apparently, there's one that now looks inside the arena. Huh. So you can you'll be able to see the 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 seating and the around the ice surface getting constructed, which I think is great. It's it's you know even people who were skeptical of the way it was debated and funded and how it all came about, uh, at least in my circle, are starting to get really excited about it, which I, which is cool. Uh, I was always in support of the new arena. Yeah, for the most part. I'm. I mean, I. Take it or leave it when it comes to the sports teams, whatever, because I'm not super into sports and I'm not super an Edmonton Oilers fan and they're not a good team. Um, So I can't even be on the bandwagon for that. However, uh, I was of the opinion that it would be good for downtown. I think you're right. And and I was also of the opinion that Rexall is old Mm -hmm. and it was time for an upgrade. The question now is what happens to Rexall? And that is a question that is being posed. Now, it should remain as a concert venue because it's a great concert venue. There's a reason why Edmonton gets concerts that Calgary does not. Yes, that's true, in fact. And that is because Rexall is better than the Saddledome for, uh, as, as a venue for concerts. Well, and I imagine the people who created the Saddledome uh, at the time thought themselves quite brilliant, maybe. Uh, and then now that they realize that the shape of that roof really fucks up sight lines and sound, yep. you can't do a lot concert-wise nope. in that building. Well, and that's one of the reasons why Cal... That's actually fueled 
the uh, the fire, the flames of passion for people in Calgary to get their own new arena. Yeah, and as a matter of fact, whether or not it'll happen, I guess we'll see. That remains to be seen. As I saw a proposed design that was hilarious. It was less saddled than and more it was, dome. It was more white Stetson of oh, uh, an arena. It was. I laughed when I saw L- it. Listen, Calgary, can I? <laughs> C- Calgary, would you just just hang on a second? Listen to me. It doesn't all have to be about the cowboy motif. There's a lot more to you than just that. I've been there. My parents lived there. So fuck the Stetson is what I'm saying for this particular building. I'm never going to get white-headed in Calgary now. <laughs> I don't think you were really in line for that. Well, thank you very much, Scott. Um, now, Look, we, we mostly only talk about Edmonton, and we are not going to become like Edmonton, Knights of Edmonton anytime soon either, so... But is that a thing? Getting a white Stetson in Calgary is the equivalent of being knighted. Yeah. That's basically what I'm saying. I don't think there is something like that in Edmonton. I Actually, there is. And it's it's self-imposed. And you go down to the legislature, you stare at the lights, turn around, and you see the purple city. That's how that works. Okay. Okay. Now, go, go, <laughs> going back to the question of this, so we're excited about the downtown arena. What's going to happen with Northlands? They had um, asked for feedback from Edmontonians recently, yep. and they've closed their survey, but they had 26,019 entries um, or, or, or survey submissions around what what's going to happen with uh, Rexall Place. And they've got, if you actually go, if just do a search for Northlands survey, you'll find the document. But... Um, you know, not surprisingly, a lot of people know the arena for the Oilers or the Oil Kings, and um, there are some interesting suggestions in the in the document. You know, overwhelmingly, it sounds like Edmontonians don't necessarily think the thing should be just torn down. I think that Rexall's uh, an important landmark in the city. I don't think that it needs to be torn down. I, it needs some love, for sure. Um, that was one of the reasons. Uh, that the Oilers were looking at a new arena is because Rexall is is old and it needs some some upkeep. And ultimately, at the end of the day, they went, it's less expensive to build a new arena as a sporting venue. And, and get more value out of that. And get more value out of that than it is to refurbish Rexall. Now, that's not to say that Rexall couldn't be refurbished still, uh, but maybe not to the extent that they needed for the Oilers yep. and uh, be able to kind of shore itself up to do something else. I don't think that it needs to necessarily lose sporting events. The the rodeo can still go. Well, and because they have the area. facility for it, right? With the yeah. with the horses and, and the stables. Exactly. Uh, you can still, I, I don't see why the rush couldn't continue to play there. And I'm sure they'd love their own dedicated venue. Now, whether or not they can afford their own dedicated that, venue. But that remains a question. Yeah. Uh, and then again, as a concert venue, it's, it's a great concert venue. Yeah, for sure. Now, a couple of suggestions uh, that citizens had um, were, um, among them, were dedicated concert hall, uh, which could be interesting, a recreation or training center, which I get, but there's also the Commonwealth Rec Center, just one stop down the LRT line, Um, maybe a market or a shopping area, and what about uh, repurposing it into low-income or affordable housing? So, People have ideas. It remains to be seen what Northlands is going to do with that asset because it belongs to them. It does. And Northlands belongs to us. Kind of. Sort of. Um, Northlands Park, of which Rexall Place is, is part of, yeah, uh, is larger than just the, uh, the arena itself. 
but I think the arena's uh, like the it's the it's the capstone. It's the gem. Yeah, it it's is. the jewel of that park. It is, uh, and I think that they should keep it. And I think they they will find a use for it. I'm confident they will find a good use for it. Well, they have no choice because <laughs> <laughs> because when that downtown arena is finished, the Oilers won't be at Northlands anymore. That's true. Sad. The end of an era. A little bit, but yes. but the exciting dawning of a new era. It's true. I do remember seeing my first hockey game at Rexall Place. It was against the Winnipeg Jets. And they're back. And they're back, yes. That's right. I fell asleep during the second period, there and my go. dad carried me home. There you go. Yeah, into the car. Uh, uh, I'm actually excited for all of the development from downtown Edmonton. Awesome. I like seeing uh, office towers go up. Is that weird that I like seeing the skyline change? It's, finally, no, after it's, so many years? It's fabulous. And like, if you, depending on where you're standing, because uh, I've counted, you can see as many as 20 cranes in the sky and just in downtown. It's amazing. And my hope is... Um, that even with the economy in Alberta doing the weird thing that it's doing, that that momentum can be maintained. Now, here's an interesting uh, fact uh, that we saw in the news today, at the day that we're recording this. The province of Alberta lost 14,000 jobs in February. However, the city of Edmonton gained 4,800. So That's pretty good. I think, we're, I think we're okay. We're certainly, at least not at this point, feeling the negative effects of, of the slight downturn in the economy. Uh, Edmonton is doing pretty good. Edmonton's a, it's all right. It's all right. You're all right, Edmonton. And in order to prove just how all right you are, we're going to talk to one of Edmonton's great uh, young entrepreneurs in just a few minutes. Joining us in the studio is a uh, an individual who's made quite a mark on the city of Edmonton. He's opened at least three cafes that we know of, Elm Cafe, District Coffee Co., and Borough Central, which uh, hangs out down by the LRT. Give a big unknown studio welcome to Mr. Nate Box. Hi. Hi. <laughs> that, was, that was a big unknown studio welcome, man. Yes. We're glad to have you in the studio. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. And actually... Good to be back. Yeah, so we interviewed Nate right before Elm Cafe opened, I believe, and then a year later, and it's interesting because we're just past the first birthday for for District, which is uh, a a cafe on 98th Ave and 109th Street. 100th Ave and 109th Street. That was very close to the right address. Stone's throw. Yeah. (laughs) I was actually giving the address of the legislative (laughs) building. Totally. but you're so you've got that you've got Borough, which mm-hmm. is in the central LRT station, and now you've opened or you're opening Little Brick, yeah. Which is tell us a little bit about it, where it is, what it's all about. Little Brick is a community-driven cafe, general store, event space, co-work space, tech office, HQ of sorts, all tucked into this heritage building in Riverdale, which is um, just east of Edmonton's downtown. And why was it important for this this sort of fourth cafe of yours to be where it is and what it is? I think it, it was the neighborhood and the building that really caught us. So one thing that's kind of um, distinctive for all the cafes that we opened is that they're in neighborhoods that I passionately believe need services like coffee and or food service. Um, so with Elm, Oliver was pretty void of, of coffee and sandwiches. 
and same with the legislature, like that government area. Yeah. Um, the downtown core, although it has a lot of offerings, there's not much as far as like variance or selection and that there's major national brands and, um, and Riverdale has nothing. Which is weird. Really weird. There's three commercial sites in the entire neighborhood, which sounds drastic, but at the same time, when you look at like some other neighborhoods like Park Allen or Belgravia or McKernan or Glenora, there's a limited number of, of commercial sites as well. But the proximity to the downtown and just that like isolated community to, for them to not have any services whatsoever. Like there's not a gas station or a corner store. There's a, a printing press. Wh- which That's is it, it even still in use? Oh yeah. It is. Yeah. Tree Frog Press Tree still frog is a business. Tree Frog Press is still given her. Yeah. I, so I used to live in Riverdale. Uh, I lived there for about three, four years, I want to say. And it's got a school. Mm-hmm. It's got a printing press, which is not a service that most people in the community are going to use, I would argue. Unless you're into posters or yeah. something, maybe. It's got a Korean Buddhist temple. Right. And it has a Big Brother's Big Sister's office. And Con Boland. And Con <laughs> Boland, who once had acid thrown in his face. Because I, I don't remember. But he's a photographer. Google it. Yeah, Google Con Bolin and you'll find out why. So it's and and Riverdale is like it's right below the east of downtown, mm-hmm. and there's it feels isolated, which is kind of a cool part of the community, but it feels isolated, which is another not so cool part of the it feels community. isolated because it has no services. Yeah. There, yeah, there's like you have to drive out of the community to get anything. Yeah, but it it kind of feels like that like a bit backwoodsy too, in that there's like this like one way in, one way out kind of feel. <laughs> kind like of I get when half you, expect to hear bando, banjo yeah, music. Yeah, totally. Heading down it's like here. Roland Road or Ninety Fifth Street, and that's it. Yeah. Like, or or the Cloverdale Pedestrian Bridge. Or the so Cloverdale Pedestrian Bridge. So it's like one bad pothole away from being completely cut off from the rest <laughs> of Edmonton. Well, and in fact, uh, about four, three or four years ago. They rehabilitated the Dawson Bridge, so mm-hmm. no one could drive across. No one could enter Riverdale from East Edmonton on Rolling Road. I can imagine Road. living there at that time. I can because oh, I did, <laughs> and it was terrible. It was so terrible. So, so this is an, a need that you guys identified. Mm-hmm. Um, what What's the response been from the community? Is it's it is it a need? Unbelievable. So they this is something they want. Yeah. So one of the things is that the reason that we chose that building is one of the partners. Um, pulled me aside in the summer and was like, I want to show you a project. And we have these ridiculous conversations on a regular basis and get in the car and drive down there. And he's like, look at this building. It's for sale. I'm like... This, by the way, just so that everyone knows, (laughs) Nate is talking about Wanye Gretz, who is one of the founders of Oilers Nation and not as much of an idiot as most people think he (laughs) is. Brilliant. Yeah. In yeah. fact, and so we drove down there and he was like, check out this building. I think we should do something here. And we've been talking about working on a project for years. Um, and this building, I was like, I get it. Like as soon as I looked at it, I was like, I, I get it. Like we can work something amazing into this. And there's examples of um, a building of similar stature or like a combination of uses in other cities that we were like we've seen this to some degree in other places we can build something here and really build like a a fascinating amenity for 
for that neighborhood, but also something that's unique to Edmonton, much like how Riverdale is unique to Edmonton. So yeah. it's got a captive audience, which is one thing, but um, the building itself is hugely significant to Edmonton and to all of the partners that are involved there in that um, it's on the historic watch list, but it's not a preserved historic building. Um, okay. It was built in 1903, and it is the homestead of J.B. Little. And J.B. Little, if you don't know, you can go to the archives or Google that or wiki it or whatever. But um, <laughs> You don't know how the internet works. <laughs> yeah, no. Just plug buttons to say <laughs> J.B. Little. But he, um, back at the end of the 1800s, uh, had a brickyard down there. And so his business was the business down in Riverdale. Mm-hmm. Like, he employed this whole crew of ragamuffin, like, <laughs> people in the brickyard, and the bricks that they fabricated are the bricks that are found in many of the historic or heritage buildings in and around Edmonton. Yeah, it's something that a lot of people don't actually know about Riverdale. Yeah. And in fact, when they, they sort of rejuvenated a section of the of the area, mm-hmm. and it's actually called the brickyard. Yeah, and his the actual brickyard and a lot of, like, the uh, equipment, tools, machinery, etc., is at Fort Edmonton. You're kidding. Huh? Wow, so you guys have a nice little connection with yeah. the history of the city. Why Why is that history important? Um, I think that oftentimes, like, with that particular building, it was something that provided, like, that was a huge instrumental um, point of, of Edmonton's development. And further to that is, like, one of the things about preserving that is that so often the city has been criticized for kind of just like meeting the end of those buildings with like a bulldozer and saying let's build and it's it's forfeiting something of like heritage and value and we looked at that opportunity and said tomorrow all of the partners could sit down at a table and decide you know what, we're going to make a couple extra $100,000, let's split it up, and let's ram a bulldozer through that. Yeah, and you could have sub- subdivided the yeah. lot, because it's a huge piece it's of property. Massive. Yeah. And so that kind of, to us, said, like, that's um, an opportunity for us to kind of step in and kind of play big brother almost and be like, no, we're going to keep this and protect this and do something great for this and do something unexpected too. So, so you, you had at the time of this recording, you did a kind of a soft launch event last night. Yeah. Last night was our first event, which was, um, it was, first of all, were you nervous? No, you weren't. No, you've done this so many fucking times. (laughs) For real, (laughs) We didn't open the cafe. Um, and so one of the things that's distinctive about little brick is that we've got this cafe and general store. Um, the cafe portion for us now is like, we, we've done it. And so this on a, it's like a really small scale, even considering like the service and the space that Elm has. Um, it's like a smaller service area, but a bigger building. And then we're pushing into the retail, which I don't know anything about. So we brought in somebody who's really great and she's managing all the retail stuff. And then, um, the other side is like the event space. And so what the party last night that we had was using the event space. And it was actually really bizarre because me and Jay, like one of the other partners, we we were just so beside ourselves because we didn't know, like all we've seen is contractors in there for the last like four months or five months. And all of a sudden now there's like people in fancy clothes and <laughs> shoes and watch for nails eating fancy yeah watching <laughs> eating fancy food and <laughs> drinking sparkling wine and stuff and it was great and it was amazing and the energy and 
it was exciting to just finally see people in there and enjoying the space, but also being able to like walk through and share some of the story of like the history of our city and the history of that building and the vision that all of the partners came together. Like the thing ran long and way over budget, but everybody is still 100% on board and is like pumped on it. Yeah, because I remember talking with Wanye like before Christmas, and he was like, "This this fucker's going to be open <laughs> yeah. on Valentine's Day." Yeah. And then I remember, no, it was Christmas. He was like, "It's going to be open December one," and I was like, "Yeah, we'll see <laughs> oh yeah, that was in like September." And then it was like before Christmas, and I was like, "Well, I don't know." And then it was just one thing after another. Yeah, yeah. Like, in fact, well, he toured me through the building uh, and showed me the, that brick bar. Mm. The, the sort of built-in bar in the cafe space that that was made out of like brick and and concrete, yeah. but like reinforced with like magic and um, titanium or something. So you spent like a shit ton of time yeah. with a sledgehammer. And my hands rattled for like three days. <laughs> like I could barely make a coffee at the cafe because I went at it with this like little five pound like sledge like hand. Like a one hand, like a one hander. Yeah. And I was like, there is no way I took out like an eighth of it. And so then the next day I went and got like a proper sledge and I came back and then got angry at it. And that was like my (laughs) stress reliever. And then we went in there one night and it was all gone. And I was like, what? And so I called one. He was like, yeah, I took it all out. (laughs) Finish it. Like, how okay. long did it take you? And how like how sore is your he was body? Prob- he was probably up all night. Yeah, he was probably up all night. He just also breaking stuff. Yeah, just breaking stuff. Yeah, and yeah. then we just left this big pile of rubble. And then the contractors showed up like a couple days later, and they're like, "We'll take it to the bin." Okay, <laughs> right on. That's what we pay you guys <laughs> yeah, for. Totally. Um, there was also apparently uh, maybe maybe a meth lab in the basement. Oh, <laughs> we thought it was a meth lab because it was this tiny sketchy room with this like weird little hood that went outside like a little like ghetto apartment like cook hood kind of like oh the yeah and so it exhausted outside and we we're like this is weird and it smelled really funky down there and there it was just like it was super creepy 100 year old basement like it's like going to your grandparents or great-grandparents <laughs> basement like i have horror stories or like <laughs> memories bad memories of that and uh I, what we found out is that one of the families that lived in there, like in the 70s or 80s, they had two sons and a daughter, and the sons grew up and they were sharing a room, and then they stopped sharing a room. And the dad used to use that room to paint the kids' airplanes because he was building them like model airplanes. What? Oh. So there was that's where the like weird chemical smells come Fuck from. Fuck that, man. That's <laughs> bullshit. Just think, no breaking like, bed down there. That, no way. For sure there was. It's just no, 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 man. Somebody's it was just covering their tracks. It was airplanes. It was, yeah. it was delicious blue meth airplanes. Yeah, totally. It was awesome. So you mentioned that one of the um, uh, goals of opening the this new space. Uh, was to kind of preserve uh, a historical building mm-hmm. after a fashion, repurpose it, but preserve it fundamentally. Um, do you think that that's uh, an idea that should be taken to other historical buildings that are in disrepair and disuse in the city? Yeah. Because the conversation think- has been going on about, for example, McDougal right now. Yeah, yeah. Has mm-hmm. been big. But what to do with that? Because the building's falling apart. And like the- McDougal United Church? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, yeah, they've asked the city for millions and millions of dollars to, to restore that building. 
And the city's saying no? Well, the city can't afford it. Well, the city's saying we're going to do a study. The city can't I, afford I it. I know. The city says they can't afford it. The city it. can afford to put services in, like... The problem is, as okay. I understand it, is that uh, <laughs> McDougal has been in need of repair for decades. Mm-hmm. And nobody's done anything about it. And That's it's right. now at the point where it's it's the cost of it is so high, you might as well just put up a new building there. This, that would be less expensive. Yeah. And yeah, so they're trying to find a way to preserve the old church because it's 100 years old. And, and a fabulous concert space. And mm-hmm. it's it should be a historical building. But then the congregation doesn't want to get uh, get it named a historical building because that limits their ability to make changes as they see fit. So both sides, so the, the city on the one hand is like, the city's saying you should just get it, get a historical designation, then the federal government will throw money at it. And the church is like, well, no, we don't want to do that. We want you to help us pay to fix it. So both sides are kind of No, because, well, weird. you can't have one, okay. In that instance, <laughs> the congregation just needs to suck it up and take the money and the rules that come along with it or do it themselves. Yeah, I it's agree. It's a flip of a coin. Yeah. But I would say in other historic buildings or in other like historical buildings that are in like of significance in neighborhoods like I, I don't know, I kind of look at it like you have to weigh them in the impact in the neighborhood and the significance like the cultural significance or the historical significance like little brick like that brick house is the only thing left, the only remnants left aside from Fort Edmonton. And it's a beautiful, beautiful building on a beautiful lot that is perfectly situated in that neighborhood. But it's also like with the commercial, like with the zoning and stuff, it's like it just works to preserve it. And there's care and attention. But there's also some some buildings that put like limitations on the development that might not have contributed that much. Like it might be, I don't know. I can't even think of any of this. Something that was designated that, that maybe is of less interest? Or? Well, like like the, I don't know, the, the Ramsey, the Kelly Ramsey building is another building that I think is kind of one of those like coin tosses or kind of like it's, like you could argue both directions. Like it's not a historic building, but, or it wasn't for the longest time and then it fell into total disrepair and then somebody came and kind of like saved it and then applied for it and then met with the city and is bulldozed the whole thing but on the agreement that they're going to like re essentially rebuild it brick by brick and so there's huge significance because that's central business downtown like that was the happening building of downtown edmonton plus it's named after um i don't remember their first names but one of each of kelly and ramsey was a a blacksmith and a clothier Mm -hmm. and they're they're you know they they were members of city council one of them, I can't remember which one, ages ago. So it's, you so know, in that case, it's work, important. Work to it. Yeah, exactly. It's important. Put the time, the effort, the money into it. Preserve it. Or if we always look at it like kind of those, if we're looking at it as like a dollar line or like a budget line, and obviously it's like we should have bulldozed Little Brick from a financial perspective. We should have. Like as investors, or property developers or owners or whatever you want to call us, we should have bulldozed it. But there's the historic significance that outweighs that where we're like, you know what, we'll take it. We'll take a hit for it. But sometimes it's not not justified. Like there's, I don't know, the quarters is a, a prime example, which is like just a stone's throw up the hill from 
where Little Brick is and the whole Riverdale neighborhood. And it's like, there's a lot of old buildings in there that, yes, they've been around for 70 or 80 or 100 years, but they're not really of much cultural significance. And so do we just preserve it because it's old? Or do we preserve it because it's old and it has this, like innate historic value that that was part of the conversation that went on around the building that was on the corner of 101st street and jasper avenue the old bmo building yeah yeah yeah, it had all the uh the marble Marble. walls and they they replaced it with a building podium and a lot of people were upset about that but there was a faction of people who were saying well it's not nice Mm -hmm. and it's old those those aren't totally and they're saying those aren't the necessary requirements to designate designate something a historical building and in some, you know, I don't know how I felt about that one. I'd have yeah. to research it more. But, you know, you can't, you can't realistically save everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but something like the McDougal United Church, or they're talking about the old uh, QE2 observatory next to the Science Center. These are, these are landmarks. You know, they're, they're significant buildings in the city's history. Well, why aren't they doing more to mm-hmm. preserve that history? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the answer is. They need to figure out that McDougal thing and figure out a way to make it stick. Because if they bulldoze that, then that's going to be a, a huge shame and another, like, wrap on the city or, like, on all of our hands, kind of, for the age-old, like, we just bulldoze everything and we don't maintain our... And, that like, that building is beautiful. I don't... Oh, yeah. yeah. And it would be sitting... if they, Imagine they bulldoze it. It's on the site that's near one of the original EPL branches that was built by Andrew Carnegie. Because back in, like, when he made all of his money on steel, was like, well, now I'm going to fix the world. Who wants a fucking library? Mm-hmm. Pretty much. And the city of Edmonton was like, we do. And they built this fabulous library that wound up getting fucking bulldozed. Yeah. And it was terrible. So that would be like a double blight on that, that part totally. of the area, uh, which would suck. Now, now I want to switch gears again. And I want to talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about Little Brick. Because we know that you're, you're good at the cafe thing. Um, you're doing this sort of general store piece that mm-hmm. you've, you're getting help with with yeah. what does that general store look like what is the, the can i go there and buy some condoms uh <laughs> no but you could probably go somewhere up on like that 95 <laughs> street in jasper ave neighborhood <laughs> and just find some yeah, just find some <laughs> uh, the general store is an interesting um idea for us and that we wanted part of building these cafes elm started with this idea of building a cafe that had a high caliber of ingredients that were going into it that didn't have a high caliber price point. Yeah. Um, And so making quality food accessible. And so we've been working with great suppliers and then we've started processing or fabricating a lot of the stuff ourselves or sourcing it exclusively for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's been really great. But the other side of it is that then that's kind of grown into district and into borough and into catering. And now people are like, oh, that's really great that you use quinoa that's grown in Saskatchewan and Alberta. How do we get it? And the answer has been, you can't. Really? Or you can buy a five kilo or 50 kilo or whatever and ship it yourself from Saskatchewan if they have it in stock, because we probably bought it all. Right. Because we need it. <laughs> but we kind of said, like, we need to we need to be able to answer that question of how do we get our hands on great product? And so when you look at, like, going to the grocery store, it's like you can take a trip down all the aisles, and it's like we've grown up with those brands forever. And 
that works. But there's also something to be said for not not everything being like big major brands and and homogenous or uh, a selection of a hundred different types of peanut butter. Right. We can offer what we think is a great product that we've prided ourselves on or that we think is essential to a kitchen or somebody's like coffee in the morning or whatever. And so we're taking the idea of the coffee retail and products that we source everything from like coffee beans to brewers to cups to that kind of idea all the way to food products being like grains and pulses and legumes and then like jams and jellies and honeys and sauces and teas and et cetera, et cetera. And it's yeah. going to continue to grow. And, and right now, <clears throat> excuse me, right now what we're looking at doing is um, primarily um, sourcing from suppliers that we already work with, but also introducing a lot of like new suppliers, whether they're new to Edmonton. Like we've got hand soap because it's like, well, why? Because if you live in that neighborhood and you run out of hand soap, where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? You, go, you have to go up 106th Avenue to the IGA across right. Wayne Gretzky Drive. And we don't want, it's not necessarily that we have, we're going to be the place that has like seven different types of palm olive. Right. But what we are going to do is we're going to work with a soap maker in Saskatchewan and they're going to supply us. Or we've got like serving trays, like charcuterie boards, like homewares okay. and stuff like that. But also getting into some stuff that's not necessarily like, made by friends of ours or people that we know getting into stuff that we just think is great. Like my sister has, and my actually just about every cook, I shouldn't single out my sister, <laughs> but every cook has garbage utensils in their pantry drawer, whatever you want to call it. They all have crap spatulas that will melt when you touch them to a pan <laughs> and it makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to bring in heat-resistant spatulas because it's what we use in in the kitchens, and we've always used them. We stand behind them, and we need it. So you need it in your kitchen, and those are simple decisions for us. So it's going to be everything from homewares to kitchenwares to bar to bakeware to ingredients to cookie batter to so the, so in a way in a way little brick the 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 general store will be to to the cafe, what the other side of um, the Duchess Bakery is. Because they've got yeah. that little store. Provisions. Yeah. Yeah, very similar. That's, um, that's brilliant. Provisions and actually, like, the, the crew at Duchess are great friends, and they're solid, solid people, and they believe in the city as much as anybody else does. Um, and they built a brilliant, like, the provisions is brilliant because they had a very similar thing, like, We've got all this like ingredients that we're using single-handedly and we're bringing in in mass quantities, but we need to be able to have a way to get them into the hands of other people because you can't get it. Right. And yeah. so we're there, yeah, exactly. We're there focusing on baking and like patisserie, like the that kind of like really, really fine French pastries and home baking and breads and whatnot. We're focusing on like your house and home kind of like a little bit more of like a... I don't know, like a curated pantry of sort. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Gosh, that's a great name for a store. Pantry the, curator? The cu or the curated pantry. <laughs> the curated pantry. Curated pantry. Cool. So now you've, you said you got a lot of support in the community from people who yeah. want this. 
you know, and leading up, like, we're supposed to open December 1st, and we're supposed to open, you know, Valentine's Day. So, so while you're there doing work and getting things ready, are people stopping by? And if totally. so, what are they saying? Um, it's funny. That, like, a, this week, I was moving a bunch of stuff in, and there was a guy who lives in the neighborhood who walked up, and he's, oh, uh, are you... Are you one of the people involved in this? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm here stealing everything. <laughs> that's why I'm here loading all this junk into this house. <laughs> and so we chatted for a bit, and he's like, oh, I've been watching this place. He's like, I check in all the time. He knows all the carp- like all the carpenters and contractors on a first-name basis. He's like, yeah, I cut through with my dog all the time, like cut through the yard and just check in to see because he's like, my wife and I are really excited about this. And it's like, wow, okay. And then he just wanted to pick my brain about, like, what's happening. And um, I get emails like, there's a few people that email me on a regular basis to check in and say like, when's it happening? When like I've I got one this week that was like I've got friends coming in from out of town um, <laughs> this weekend. Are you are you, you going to be open? Because we heard that it was going to be open soon. Um, and then everything from like I met with the community league about a month or two ago. Oh yeah, Bill Bill Moore Kilgannon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I used to live down there, man. Yeah. Telling you. Plugged in. Yeah. Um, and so I met with the community league and and they like applauded me at the introduction. And I was like, this is awesome. And just roll um, into a community as a rock star. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. You're like, that's, that's amazing. Everything from like the neighbors, like there's a massive condo on the one side and then houses as far as you can see on the other. And it's, everybody is really excited about it. And that's so... Great. I don't know, like we had a, a client come and do a tour for a dinner that we're hosting next week. And after walking through, she turns to her husband and is like, we need to start looking for a house in River or in Riverdale because <laughs> I want this in my neighborhood. And she's like, Nate, you could open one of these in my neighborhood. And I'm like, no. And so she looks back at her husband and is like, well, that leaves us with one option. And yeah. I was like, at that point, it kind of clicked with me, too, in that I'm used to, like, I've lived in Oliver, and so when I opened Elm, it was like, oh, yeah, sweet. Like, I can go there all the time and on my days off or whatever, and then now District and Borough, and so it's like these little stops, but as that, the neighborhoods around have also grown, like, if I'm on the south side, I can hit up Faro or Three Boars or... Like, if you're downtown on 4th, like, there's Credo, or 124th is Duchess and Credo again. And yeah. it's like, there's all these pockets growing, going on. But I was so excited about Elm in my neighborhood. And I can only imagine, like, if you lived in Riverdale, if you've lived down there for, what, a year or five or 10 or 30 or 50. <laughs> there's nothing like, down there's there. There's nothing down there. And, you're, and all of a sudden, somebody's like, yeah, we're going to open this cute little cafe and store. So, Yeah. Well, my my hope for the for the Riverdale community because, you know, there are a few other spots in the neighborhood where I think you could open like, I don't know, like a corner store or yeah. whatever. It, not, you know, not that I think you need competition. Um, is that it? It sparks something in the people to realize, in fact, these are the kinds of amenities we need down here. Totally. And it it almost seems weird to me that um, there is a downtown community that for so long has just been without. Mm-hmm. And that it took so long for someone. And I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to belittle you being the guy who was like, there's a niche here and I'm going to fill it. Uh, it's just surprising that it took so long for somebody to, to realize that. Because it, it, the way you've talked about it, it seems so obvious. Yeah. Yeah. The hard part about, like, 
I think a lot of the places, like, or the three sites there is like Tree Frog Press is a big building and it's not really going anywhere. Um, and the other site used to be called Riverdale Grocery and it was just bulldozed last fall. Oh, was it really? I didn't um, know that. Yeah. And the owner is like, I've heard from a few friends that the owner is looking at building like a pub or a restaurant down there. No way. And so... But I think that our site was like this sleeper cell almost because it had like five really weird party boys living in it with like <laughs> full on like tinfoil in one window, like uh, a pirate flag in another, a rebel flag in another, Pilsner posters, blow up dolls, like 500 pizza boxes and as many lucky cans as you could imagine just crumpled on the floor and they were living there because it's owned both residential and commercial so this is how you found it yeah you, did you guys take photos of that uh i don't because because that would be it. i'm sure for sure because yeah, that like i remember it was like it was disgusting <laughs> like it was a like a small step above like squatting Wow. And so we walked in and we're like, okay, look past that and like kick the pizza boxes and see that it's like beautiful maple floors that are original. Yeah. Or like looking at the brick and walking around and being like, okay, we need to get an inspection because it's cracked all over. <laughs> and Jesus. looking at like the walls and being like, this has all got to go. And basically like the whole place just got like totally refinished, but it's, yeah. That's awesome. So uh, one, a couple last questions. Uh, one that I think is really important to certainly me. I can't speak for you, Scott. but It probably is. We are of like mind. <laughs> yeah. Things. Is it licensed? Uh, will there be wine We're and beer We're working on it. So we've been talking with AGLC and that they don't have any um, holdbacks as long as the city doesn't have any holdbacks. So um, I think that there's enough support from the community or hope that there would be enough support that we wouldn't run into any snags, but we do not have a liquor license as it stands. It's um, something you're working on. Yeah, it's something that we're working on and we're hopeful for. I think that it's essential. There's also a way around it and that um, the other side of the space is that it's a private event space. And so um, we do a lot of commercial catering and we have a commercial caterer's license. And so for private events, we can still do that. So okay. if somebody wanted to do a birthday party for... 10 people and do a really nice dinner, we can still bring in like beer and wine and do a nice dinner. Or if somebody just wanted to have like a brunch party or something like that, and it's like, then it becomes a client who's coming in and using a venue space, which yeah, has different exemptions. So if you were to uh, serve liquor in the cafe part, would that also tie into the catered grocery mm -hmm. next door? I don't. I don't know. That's a good question. Like off sales or um, like oh. almost like liquor sales. Is that what yeah. you mean? Yeah. I don't, I don't know about that. Um, that's on my list of things I should probably look into because it would be incredible to just have like a nice little like. Like a house wine yeah, or exactly. something. Yeah. And then you're selling it in the grocery store. Totally. store. Yeah. And have something simple like have two or three beers and two or three wines up on the shelf and it's like yeah we've got them back and chilling if you want to take a six-pack home but we're not going to be crushing whatever good times lager cases yeah. out of there well i mean not not on the public side you, yeah <laughs> i you still have to take me on a tour through the finished building yeah. Nate. so 
Um, but the fun part, I think one of the things worth mentioning to you is like, aside from the events space, like the cafe and the general store is great and we're excited about it. But the event space having like, we have uh, the opportunity to seat 10 people for anything from like a board meeting mm-hmm. to like a private dinner. Um, the other space is going to be kind of overflow for the office that's in there. Right. Um, and also like just a casual seating area that's not part of the cafe technically. Um, mm. But it's just going to be casual. And then that room also is going to be booked up for like up to 20 person events. And so we could do a plated dinner for 20 people. So like a small wedding reception or something like that and um, corporate functions and stuff. And then upstairs is like, well, one of the main floor offices and upstairs is um, the whole crew, like the whole Udo Noodle and Oilers Nation crew. And those are... That's like, going to be hilarious. Yeah, it already is hilarious. And it's amazing. <laughs> and it's it's such a great dynamic and really great energy in there. And cool. Yeah. And uh, last but not least, you've got a massive yard. Yeah. You can do shit out there, I imagine. Yeah. So the plan for that is put a little bit of a patio onto Little Brick itself, like onto the cafe portion. Um, and then really get into like sculpting that landscape into something that's both like functional for us. So everything from like herb planters and gardens to like small produce planters or risers to raspberry patches. Um, and then putting it in a way that we, I really want to have the idea of being like having backyard barbecues. So where you're talking about building like a big brick oven, Mm -hmm. um, that we could do dinners out of and then just throwing like six or eight picnic tables in a big long line and doing like family style dinners where on Sunday you could come for supper and we do like big ass roast chickens out of the brick oven and we just sit around and drink beer and eat chicken and potatoes. I'm I'm hungry. Now I'm hungry. You might need to stop at a barbecue place. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think we do need to stop because it's that time in the show. that time in the show yeah now we've done a fast 15 with nate box i believe oh, we have yeah. like totally years ago to i'm like is that part of the show it's over okay i'm going home <laughs> no, no you're not <laughs> but wait there's more but we have mm. changed the fast 15 since you were last on the show it's true by the way it's almost been five years yeah 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 because we're show. we're on our sixth it's been yeah, it'll, it'll be four years, I think. We're on our sixth season. And a couple seasons ago, we changed some of the questions. Yeah. And obviously, we have some new wild card questions. Oh, yes. So it is time for the Fast 15. Here we go. You ready, Nate? I'm ready. So born we, ready. We asked, you were born ready. <laughs> we asked the same first 13 questions of all our guests, and then we saved two wild card questions at the end for you. Okay. And, uh, and so the, the key is to answer quickly. Okay, here we go. Number one, your favorite food. Pasta. Your favorite color? Blue. Mac, PC, or Linux? Dogs or cats? Dogs. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Favorite holiday? Um, Christmas. Favorite sport? I don't know. I would say hockey. Favorite pastime? Um, Snorkeling. Wow. Really? That was just the for fast. You said fast. It's, it's okay. It's we'll, first we'll, thing off top of his head. We'll, we'll keep on. going. We'll keep going. I just questioned the snorkeling thing. I, so, okay. So your favorite show to binge watch on Netflix. Oh, man. I'm crushing House of Cards. <laughs> Are you really? Yeah. 
Cool. Robin Wright. Yeah, she's killer. Your favorite movie? Um, that's a good question. I don't know. I would say the one that I've probably watched the most is Zoolander. Right on. That's a good choice. The sequel coming out now. Yeah, apparently. Ah, You're name. very excited. You can tell. <laughs> what about your favorite video game? Uh, the original Super Mario 1, as I stare at that. Far out. If you, have one, if you had one superpower, what would it be? Um, teleportation. Nice. It's to go to all those, all those cafes that you own. Yeah. Yeah. And Star Wars or Star Trek? Wars. Okay, now Wanya is going to be really choked about that. Okay, all right. And now we're on to our... I know, of course he will. I don't see eye to eye on everything. <laughs> and now we're on to our wild card questions. What's your go-to coffee drink? Traditional cappuccino. Nice. Mm-hmm. Normal, whole milk. That, yeah. Yeah, straight up. Cool. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I, think I just, will judge <laughs> a place. I will judge people. <laughs> On their cappuccinos. Remind me never to make you a cappuccino. Yeah, it's because you will lose <laughs> oh his esteem. Yeah. yeah. There's been many a emails about many a staff exchanged about cappuccinos <laughs> where I'm like, I went in and had a cappuccino and this is what it tasted like. Blah. <laughs> fix it. Fix it. And our Blah. last our last question, our wildcard question, what's your next project? Because it's Holy not like it's not like you sit idle and <laughs> and not do anything. What are you gonna do next, man? You I have f- no idea. Um a couple months ago, I sat down and tried to do this, like, let's plan my life. And it was like, that's a hopeless endeavor. Um, <laughs> so basically, if you have an idea and yeah, you're looking yeah. for someone to pitch totally. it to, Nate Box is free right now. Yeah, he's not free. doing anything. He's um, not doing anything. <laughs> realistically, I think the next project will be a bar or a breakfast and lunch joint. Cool. Where I think we're pretty much done with cafes for, for a while. Yeah. I think a lot of people are going to be choked about that. Yeah, but that's okay. They can move to the good side of the river. There you go. The good Boom. side of the river. <laughs> Everything's great north of the river. Cool. Well, thanks for yeah. being in the studio, thanks man. Thanks for having me. It was great to have yeah. you. It's good to be back. Good luck with Little Brick. It's, is it open right now? Can people go there? Technically, it is not open right now. So we're going to do some like soft launch stuff in the, in the coming week. Um, and then we're aiming to be open the week after next. So tail end of March or beginning of... Which now, is when this episode airs. Yes, yeah, so around the time that this episode airs. We are uh, we are recording this episode, as we have already mentioned. Yeah, so, so there you go. Cool. All right, cheers, buddy. You've been listening to The Unknown Studio, episode 114. Our guest, Nate Box. Pre-production by Adam Rosenhart. Post-production by Scott C. Bourgeois. Subscribe today at patreon.com slash unknownstudio. You can visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening. Oh, shit. That's okay. We can skip it this time. Are you sure? We should. Let's talk about it.
Uh, well, then I have to splice it in somewhere. Okay, well, I appreciate that you're lazy. I re- I'm being totally <laughs> serious because I've been there. So let's uh, skip it for now. Okay. Okay. Hey, Scott. Yes, Adam. Is this pile of bricks a metric shit ton? It's a lot of bricks. I no. Do you want to try that again? <laughs> I do. Okay. I'll say the same thing. Hold on. Let me okay. let me think of a good answer. <laughs> this is you know this is my favorite part of the show, right? Fucking with you. I know. <laughs> I know. I hate it so much. Yep, I got one. Okay. Hey, Scott. Yes, Adam. Is this... Fuck. <clears throat> hey, Scott. Yes, Adam. Is this a metric fuck... <laughs> uh, this time I'll get it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hey, Scott. Yes, Adam. Is this a metric shit ton of bricks right here? I don't know. Did you shit those bricks? I did.